1: to Clubhouse Conversation. And welcome back to yet another edition of Clubhouse Conversation, the place where we catch up with all your favorite current and former Royals players year-round with myself, Davo. And you can always subscribe, by the way, on iTunes to get all of our interviews downloaded directly into your iTunes here through the website on clubhouseconversation.com. You can stream the interviews through the site, or you can download them here. Also, subscribe to us and follow us along on Twitter, at Royals Clubhouse. We are also on the Facebook as well. And here we are sitting in late March of 2016, getting set for opening day. And I'm so excited to speak with one of my favorite Royals of all time probably top five favorite Royals of all time for sure. Top 10. And I'm talking about Gary Thurman who played for the Royals from 1987 to 1992. How exciting was Gary Thurman to watch play? So fun. Played in 325 Royals contests. I saw him play between Omaha and KC. Known as one of the fastest men in the game. He led every single level of the minor leagues in stolen bases except for AA. And that was only because he got called up to Omaha for a week and he barely missed out on that. Stole bases left and right. 70 of them one time, for example, at Fort Myers back in 1985. Gary was a first-round selection of the Royals out of Indianapolis in 1983. Out of high school... Had a chance to play football, but signed with the Royals instead. And, of course, had a nice long career in baseball. Also played with Detroit, Seattle, and the New York Mets after his times with the Royals. Nine seasons at the Major League level. And ever since then, since 1999, Gary's been either a minor league manager or a major league coach or some sort of scout or field coordinator at the major league level. And he currently is the outfield base running coordinator for the Washington Nationals here in 2016. And Gary joins us from spring training right now in Florida on Clubhouse Conversation. Gary, first of all, thank you for your time. And second of all, how's everything going with you?
0: Uh, Everything's going fine. Having long days here in spring training. Uh, but loving it at the same time.
1: Yeah, you are uh, traveling a lot, serving as the outfield and base running coordinator for the Nationals, a busy man these days. Kind of talk about that job and uh, how enjoyable that's been.
0: Um, well, I'll tell you what. We just, last year we had uh, our first three picks in the, uh, in the draft for outfielder, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, it is a lot of traveling, uh, a lot of hotels, and a lot of uh, plane flights. But, um, you know, it's something that I love, so I don't mind it one bit.
1: Yeah, you guys got a, a very exciting organization over there, hoping to see a Royals Nationals World Series here uh, in the near future. Now, now speaking of the Royals, 2014 World Series, 2015 they won it. Was it, uh, was it pretty exciting for you as a, as a former guy to, to see your old team in there?
0: Yeah, it, it, it really was. Um, you know, I still have some friends over there, and I was very happy for them. You know, it's like my alma mater. Yeah, um, but I was drafted by them and, and played for them the first uh, 10 years of my career in the minor and the major leagues. Uh, very happy for the organization.
1: Yeah, and you're an outfield guy, so it's got to be fun to see uh, you know, Alex Gorin and Locaine and Gerard Dyson and those guys on defense, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. They're, they're fun to watch and they're very exciting at the same time.
1: Yeah, well, we're uh, going to talk lots more about KC here in a bit, uh, but I want to start off with your, with your childhood then in, uh, in Indianapolis. So you went to uh, Indianapolis North Central High School. You are both an all-state quarterback. You are a prep All-American in baseball as well, which is especially impressive since you didn't you know play baseball until your last couple of years of high school. So football was kind of your number one love growing up, I know, uh, you know. But what made you choose to go out for baseball before, before your junior year there?
0: Um. Well, you know, I mean, I, I played baseball a little, a couple of years before my junior year, I believe. I started in like, the, well, in the ninth grade actually, and um, I played there because uh, one of my best buddies, one of my good buddies, uh, were, was playing, and uh, I just, you know, wanted to hang out with him. So, um, you know, to be able to hang out with him, we we, we played baseball. Um, you know, it, to me it wasn't a very exciting sport it was kind of boring to watch on television um, but it was something that um, you know I had a knack for doing and had uh, a better hang out with him um, you know I, I, I played He drove me to practices and the games all the time because growing up uh, with a single mom and pop kid um, you know she really didn't have time to, to do that um, so it was really um, you know Rick Garrett, who really got me into uh, to playing baseball um, in the ninth grade, my uh, or actually in the tenth grade, my first year in high school.
1: Yeah, and you you mentioned the the five kids. So you had what a, a twin sister and triplet brothers. Is that correct?
0: Well, a twin sister, yes, and uh, two girls and a boy that were the triplets. So the boys were the bookends, and the three girls were in the middle.
1: Wow, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, Now, before we talk about the Royals, then, so you mentioned, uh, you know, we talked about football a little bit earlier. So am I right in guessing you were probably a Colts fan growing up?
0: Uh, Yeah, you know, I remember them. I I remember watching them on television um, coming from Baltimore in the middle of the night uh, with the Vans coming down there, (laughs) um, you know, from Baltimore and kind of sneaking into Indianapolis. So I remember that well. And from then on, I have been a Colts fan.
1: Okay, well, they've had, uh, had, some gr- had some great years, and good old Peyton hung them up, I guess, uh, here recently. So, so which universities were recruiting you to play football then?
0: Um, well, I had, I had a lot more universities recruiting me for playing football than I did baseball. Really? Um, I had signed a um, NASA, uh, 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 conference letter of intent to go to Purdue because um, I kind of wanted to follow Ray Wallace, who was my running back when I was a junior. He was a senior. He went to Purdue. And I was, um, you know, kind of kind of following his footsteps. I, I got recruited heavily by, um, you know, all the colleges in uh, in the Indiana, IU, Purdue, Indiana State, uh, as well as some of the uh, a lot of colleges outside the conference. Um, but my final choice, uh, because I was being heavily recruited by a lot of by a lot of schools, my final choice to uh, to go play football was going to be at Purdue.
1: Okay, now now getting back to baseball then. So you were a prep All-American in baseball. As a senior, uh, your team was 23-1, and number one ranking in Indiana. You were also a part of the gold medal U.S. team at the National Sports Festival in 82. Kind of explain what that is exactly and what that experience was like.
0: Um, yeah, we were uh, number one ranked in, uh, in baseball. Uh, we got beat by cathedral. And I remember that game well because we were winning – uh, in the late innings, and actually, there was a ball hit to me um, in the late innings, and I misplayed that baseball, <laughs> and it cost us two runs to lose the game. Uh, and I remember that well. I know that I threw the ball to uh, to home plate, um, and uh, I forget who was the catcher at that at that point. But I know I threw the ball well, and I uh, kind of short-hopped him. But something hard to handle, and a couple runs scored, and we just didn't rebound from that. So you know, I was pretty disappointed because I, I believe it was the very first round in the state championship that we lost. Yeah. Uh, against that team, but um, you know, I had I had gone to a um, to a tryout with the with the Kansas City Royals um, with Rick Garrett um, and Roger Snyder. And, um, you know, I, I didn't know a lot about baseball. Uh, I went in blue jeans and I ran a good 60 and I, you know, and I always had a strong arm being a quarterback. Uh, and I threw the ball well and I got invited to stay for the, uh, for the game. I can remember that we had, there was a, I forget his name, but I, he was at one of the schools that we had faced before. And I thought he really threw really hard because, you know, the experience I had in playing baseball and, uh, and I, I remember they clocked him at like 82 or 83 miles an hour. <laughs> so, you know, when I, when I, I, I guess I was kind of on the radar at that point, and I got chosen to play in the uh, National Sports Festival, which was just like a pre-Olympic thing uh, back in 1982. And I uh, played with a lot of uh, people, and uh, I played for the North team, and uh, we ended up winning the championship. And I remember a few of the guys that I had uh, played with and against I also played against in the major leagues at uh, you know uh, uh, about five six years later.
1: Oh, very cool! So lots of talent there. Um, and speaking of talent, a guy that can scout it with the best of them. So Hall of Fame baseball scout Art Stewart is kind of credited with uh, with discovering you. So before we talk about draft day and choosing the sign, kind of take us back to your very first memories of Art. I mean, do you have a specific time where you first saw him or you talked to him?
0: Um, well, you know, they came um, the the first time that. Uh, that I can remember seeing him uh, was at uh, one of the tryouts. I came to the high school uh, along with uh, the major uh, major league scouts who had scouted uh, for many of the major league teams. I just think he was like a, um, a not an area scout, but a, a, a little bit bigger than that, who just came in to um, you know just to see the talent. And uh, but the fondest memory I, I remember about when he, when he came to my house to sign me. Um, you know, they offered me a contract, and, uh, you know, I, I just took the very first offer that that they took. <clears throat> um, you know, I didn't know anything about the draft system or anything like that because I was a football player, and, um, you know, football players go from high school or go from college right to the, you know, professional level. So, you know, I thought I was going to be on television the very next year, you know, unbeknownst to me. You know, I, I spent uh, a few years in the minor leagues. I remember one thing that uh, he told me, and it's a funny story, that he told me that, um, you know, I was going to get a ticket to, to Florida, and I believe it was a very, it was the second flight I had ever taken. <laughs> I had, remember I took a flight to Disneyland when I won a, uh, I won a trip to Disneyland uh, when I was in Bloomington, Indiana, when my uh, when my parents and all the college people or all the college um friends that he had, uh, they went to a grocery store and they kept on putting my name into a box. And I won I won a trip to Disneyland. So that was the first flight. So the second flight I took, it was to Florida um, when I was going to go to the to Sarasota to start my minor league career. And they said that, uh, you know, when you get there you take the airport limo. Well, you know, my thoughts, when they said limo, I thought limousine, you know, big black stretch limousine, unbeknownst to me, it was... Uh, know, just a van with airport limo on the side all rusted out and everything like that so <laughs> you know it, it was a it was kind of a surprise to me because I thought that uh, you know I was going to be on TV with George Brett and Willie Wilson and <laughs> and all those guys and uh, I was down there as a first round draft choice uh, you know in um, in Sarasota, Florida on the backfield and uh, with no fans or, or, or nobody there to watch it
1: <laughs> yeah no kidding no kidding was, was it always i mean you said you took their first offer were you always going to sign whatever did you ever consider bypassing to go to purdue or did you pretty much always know you'd sign
0: um well you know when they offered me the money and uh you know like i said you know we we weren't well off a uh, single mother with five kids twins and triplets living in a three-bedroom apartment in indianapolis indiana um you know the ways that i knew that i could help my family um when they offered me the money and uh you know, it just wasn't something I was going to pass up. So, you know, it's worked out. I know that the longevity in, in baseball is, is a lot more than it is in football. And, um, you know, what, 35 or so years later, I'm, I'm still in the game.
1: Yeah. Who would have ever thought, right, when you were, you know, 16, 17 years old?
0: Eg- exactly. Yeah. yeah. I was 18 years old and – uh you know, I, I remember that I was that day. Um, we were at a tournament in summer during the summer ball. Um, after, after, um, after we played in the, in the tournament in high school, and I was playing summer baseball. And I, I had no idea I was going to get drafted. I, I really didn't know anything about the draft or anything about baseball. Period. And someone told, came and told me that I was uh, I was picked by the Kansas City Royals in the first round. I really didn't know what that meant, you know. Um, I'm like, okay, well, you know, whatever. I, I didn't know the significance of it at the time. Um, you know, now after so many years, I know that uh, you know I had a great opportunity, and I knew that as a first-round draft choice, I was going to get every, you know, every possibility or, or every chance that I could uh, to make it. The major leagues because they're the first rounder, you know, with with money invested in you, they give you every opportunity. So they don't want to be wrong with those choices.
1: Yeah yeah, well, and, and they weren't, you know we'll get to that, but I mean, so like you mentioned, 1983, you go down to, to Sarasota, you played in 59 games, you had 31 stolen bases. The next year '84, you were in Charleston in the Sally League. You swiped 44 bags that year. Now, I read an article somewhere that said you considered walking away from baseball around, uh, around the Charleston time and going to play college football. So I mean, how close were you to actually doing that, and what made you stay with baseball?
0: Um, well, you know, it was, it was very frustrating because I had never failed um, in baseball or at football. And uh, when I went to Charleston, South Carolina, I, hit, I think I hit 230 or something like that, and I had 130-something strikeouts, and um, it was just very frustrating. And I hadn't dealt with that before ever in, my, in, you know, in, in sports. I was always very good at what I did. I always stood out. I was always uh, you know, kind of the BMOC and um, I, had never, I had never struggled. But I knew I was a very good football player. But my mother told me that I had started something, and when you start something, you finish it. You see it out. And um, that was the advice that I got from her. So I wasn't going to quit. I wasn't going to be a quitter. I was going to see it out to the end. And, uh, you know, the next, the next few years, uh, you know, I kind of caught up with the speed of baseball. Because I, uh, you know, I hadn't faced the kind of talent that I did um, in in that league. You know, you had a whole lot of college players coming out um, who threw hard. I wasn't used to the speed of the game, and I struggled. But uh, you know, the next few years I kind of caught up with it, and um, you know, the rest is kind of history.
1: Now, speaking of Charleston, I've always been kind of intrigued by that. You know, obviously, uh no 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 baseball there anymore long ago, uh, gone, but one of the prettiest cities in America. You know, what was it like uh, playing for the Charleston Royals? What was that town like and what was that, you know, favorite memories of that year?
0: Um, well, you know, I played with uh a manager uh named Dwayne Gustafson, and I uh you know, he, he taught me a lot. Um at that time, um, you know, it was uh it was kind of a crazy year. I left in the middle of the season to get married. Uh, uh, my high school sweetheart had gotten pregnant, and, uh, you know, I went to go get married, and, uh, you know, it, I, I had come back, and I hit, like, six home runs in six games, a couple in the, inside the parkers, and, uh, you know, it was a difficult time, but, um, you know, I, I had to grow up really fast. I had a, I had a child on the way, and, um, you know, I had to su- find a way to support my family and succeed at what I was going to do. So, you know, a lot of lot of good memories. I remember that the, the military base was there, and, uh, you know, we had some cobblestone streets there. Um, you know, the first time I had ever lived out on my own was at an apartment. Um, so a lot of new things happened, and I had to grow up kind of quick.
1: Yeah. Nice town. Well, the, the next year, 85 then, your career really took off then, literally. I mean, you stole a Fort Myers record, 70 stolen bases in 85. You're one of the top ten prospects in the Florida State League as well. So, you know, playing in Fort Myers, what sticks out about that year in 85?
0: Uh, well, you know, we, we, the field was half turf and, uh, and half grass. So it was turf on the on the infield and grass in the outfield. Um, so I felt... You know, I, I felt really comfortable on the turf. It felt like, you know, it was very fast. Had a lot of infield hits. Didn't have any home runs that year at all because we played in big ballparks. It was what you know, Major League Spring trainings were. Um, so I learned kind of like the type of player that I was, that speed was my game, uh, to hit the ball on the ground and run, uh, try to hit it to the, to the left side of the field. So I kind of became a little bit of a pull hitter. Um, and things just kind of... Uh, you know, I got off to a very good start i remember halfway through the season we had a guy named ed allen who went up to double a and i think halfway through the season i was hitting like 370 at the half and i was wondering why i wasn't the guy to go uh, but they said that they were going to take my time and i was going to stay at every single level for at least a year and if i didn't you know play well at the level then i'd probably repeat because there was no rush for me to go there they had willie wilson in the outfield Um, You know, they had a good outfield back there. They were winning championships at that time. Um, So there was no rush for me to go. So I kind of just said, okay, well, this is where I'm going to be at and just make the best of it. And, um, you know, things things went well from there.
1: Yeah, 86 at Memphis, Southern League All-Star, 10th in the league in batting. You hit 312, second in stolen bases with 53, second in triples with 12. You know, with Memphis, what sticks out?
0: Um well, um, everything kind of fell into place right there. You know, I was playing good. I feel like I, I had come off of a good year in uh, Fort Myers. I had a lot of confidence. I had gone to my second big league uh, spring training, and I had learned a lot from the guys and I had had a little bit of a, a, you know a few a few games in the uh, big league camp and I was just very, I was just a very confident player at that time. Um, you know I was a little upset because of last week, I went to AAA, and um, I remember myself, and uh, well, his name last name was Young, Gerald Young, I believe, uh, he played for the Astros at that time, and we were battling for the stolen base title, and I went there uh, to AAA with the lead um, in stolen bases, and uh, I got a couple of stolen bases in AAA, but he passed me. <laughs> Uh, With stolen bases, uh, after I had gone to AAA for a week, so I was kind of disappointed, you know, because I had led the I had led the league in stolen bases, uh, in uh, in rookie ball I led the league in stolen bases, in uh, low A I had led the league in stolen bases, in high A, and uh, then I went to there and I wanted to lead the league in stolen bases again, and they kind of took that opportunity away from me just to give me a little look see for a week in AAA because they probably knew I was going to go there the next year, so. It was um, it was bittersweet, you know. Um, I went up to AAA and played in Denver for the last uh, for the last uh, week, and also played a couple games in Omaha. But I lost the stolen base championship uh, because of it.
1: Okay, that that, that makes sense. I, mean, I was wondering why I went down to second there. <laughs> um, yeah. That was uh, so. That was also the year, uh, the year of Bo Jackson that made his professional debut uh, with you at Memphis. There, uh, do, you, do you remember much uh, about Bo that year, and what was that like?
0: Um, well, you know, it was a media frenzy uh, uh, there. Uh, our, our coach was uh, uh, Tom Tommy Jones, and um, you know, I, I had a great year there. Um, you know, it wasn't overshadowed, but Bo, you know, coming from football. Um, who the Heisman Trophy winner, you know he got a lot of attention, which was fine with me. You know I, I really didn't need a lot of attention. And I really didn't want a whole lot of attention, um, but I felt that you know if he hadn't been there, um, then my career might have taken a a, a, a lot of a, a different turn. because he got called to the major leagues, and after a good year that I had, um, you know knowing the game at that point, I kind of expected to get a September call up, but I but I didn't. But um, you know. Hey, the men upstairs. If he has a plan for you, and uh, it just wasn't the time for me to go. And um, and you know, in all likelihood, it was probably the best thing for me, uh, because I've had a you know a, a career in baseball that that's been wonderful. I've gotten a chance to teach and uh, I, I touch a lot of young uh, love, uh, young men's hearts, and uh, and teach a lot of the, the guys uh, the, the game. And I'm I'm very fortunate to do that, and 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 blessed to be it. In the situation that I'm in, so hindsight is 2020, and um, I think everything's going for the best for me.
1: Absolutely. Well, 87 at Omaha, you keep the pretty much that stolen base, you know, streak going. So you lead the American Association 87 in stolen bases with 58. You hit 293, and that helped you get your first call to the big leagues in. So August 29th of 1987. So take us back to the moment you got the news. Where were you at? Who told you the news? What was that moment like?
0: Um, I believe, I think I was in Omaha uh, when I got the news that I was going to go up. In the middle of the season, I had uh, I had fractured my ankle. I think it was uh, late May or June. And I was having a great year there, and I really didn't know if I was going to be healthy enough, you know, to come back during the season. But, uh, you know, I think I had a... Uh, Two months off or something like that, and and came back and played really well. They told me that I was going to go up on um, what August 29th, and um, my first trip was to Chicago. So on August the, the 30th, oh I think it was August the 30th that they might have told me, and uh, and I got there August the 31st. Well, my first game. In Chicago, it was probably about, I think we had a 7 o'clock game, and about 6.15, John Watson, who was the manager, he called me into his office and told me that I had just gotten a call that my wife was going into labor. (laughs) So we're in Chicago, and I had a choice to see if I wanted to drive back to Indianapolis. Or if I wanted to play the game, and I chose to play the game because I knew I had a lot of, a lot of, a lot of guys in uh, in Indianapolis that were coming up for the game, and I knew that I could drive back right after the game uh, to try to to try to you know be there for my daughter's birth. Well, my first at bat, um, I was shaking like a leaf. I can remember that. Carlton Fisk was uh, behind the plate. Jose De Leon was pitching. And I remember we ha- I had a uh, a two two count, and I can remember this vividly, that Carlton Fisk turned back to the umpire and said, "Watch this." So I had never seen a slider like Jose Jose De Leon, and he threw me the slider, and I struck out. And both the the umpire and Carlton Fisk kind of chuckled, So they knew that I hadn't seen you know a pitch like that in the minor in the minor leagues, and it was the first time that I had saw it in the major leagues. So I believe he. Uh, you know, the 2-2 count, he had thrown me two fastballs, uh, a change-up, and, uh, and something else. And then they got to the 2-2 count and, uh, and threw me the slider. So uh, I struck out my first at-bat. I can remember my very first play in the field. Um, since I had been in high school, uh, I always played center field. I had played center field all the way through my minor league career. My very first game in the Major Leagues, I played left field. <laughs> so I wasn't used to the different rotation of the ball, the different spin on the ball and things like that, because center field is pretty much true. And, uh, you know, I was kind of embarrassed. Luckily, I had John Loplin in AAA uh, as a manager before he went to the Major Leagues and before I got called to the Major Leagues. So he knew I could play the position. So if it had been a different manager... I might have spent one day in the major leagues and
1: went right back to Triple <laughs> Yeah, that bad, huh? Yeah, it was it was that bad of a route. Wow. Now, how about so? Didn't you didn't you end up getting in your car and making it mm-hmm. like right after your daughter was born or something too?
0: Yeah, I, I made it like an hour after my daughter was born, um, to um, to Indianapolis. So I missed. I didn't. I was not in the room when she was born but I got there shortly after. So I'll call her my big league baby.
1: <laughs> That's great.
0: That's it was great. nice because, you know, I had big league insurance and they paid for almost all of it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And you made it there right after. So th- and then the, the final day of 1987, uh, a special moment shared then. So you, a double steal with Willie Wilson. Tell that story.
0: Uh, well, Willie Wilson, he was in the, uh, he was in the hunt to, uh, to uh, win the stolen base title. And um, I was on second base, and he was on third base, and he needed that stolen base. So, you know, knowing that and, um, you know, knowing that he needed that stolen base and I was ahead of him because I was batting ninth and he was batting first, um, I, I had to steal that base because, you know, he, he was in the hunt. So I stole third and he stole second. I think, and I'm not positive. I think Charles Reynolds beat him out for that Golden base title that year but really wasn't that far behind but i knew i had to fill the base to give him an opportunity to, to get to get another bag and we did it successfully
1: yeah that's a great story and then uh the, the next year is 1988 so you are between omaha and kc with the months of june and september in kansas city that second year of 1988 anything stick out about that year
0: uh, well you know what spring training um i found out that uh you know, you, you can't, uh, you know, it was a lot of pressure because I really wanted to make the big league team, and I know it was uh, Gary Thurman and Bo Jackson's show. Uh, I had I had uh, really, you know, I had, in in, in, uh, in 87, you know, I played every single day uh, in left field. That was his position. Um, I had, you know, kind of taken it away from him, and, uh, you know, I felt like it was my job to lose, but I put a lot of pressure on myself um, to, you uh, you know to uh, to go out there and play well. And so I found out that you you can't you can't go out there and uh you know, and put that kind of pressure on yourself uh to try to play well. You know, you just have to relax and let the game, you know, come to you. You can't force it. So, you know, I, I was really disappointed when I didn't make the big league team uh out of spring training. Um and I learned a lot about uh, you know playing under pressure and having to relax and, and playing, you know, with emotion but uh, but but not but not pressure. You know, you know, kind of kind of taming that you know that emotion inside of you and not forcing and not forcing the game. So, you know, that experience really helped me out. Going, um, you know, going back and forth to the minor leagues and. Uh, you know that's that's an experience that, that I can share with uh, with the with the with the players that I teach now, is that uh, you know whatever is going to happen, it's just going to happen. You just have to go out there, have a short memory. You know you can't say hey I did I got one hit today so I need three tomorrow, or I got no hits today and no hits you know tomorrow so I need four the next day. You can't play with that kind of pressure on yourself. You just have to play, and uh, you know trying to trying to minimize. Uh, you know, those the backs and make some adjustments on
1: the fly. Yeah, I'm sure 1989 would be a, a good learning lesson for you, too. So your first big league opening day roster, but then you pull a groin late in spring training. You go on the DL. Then you go back with a sprained wrist in June as well. But one good thing from that year is you tied the American League record. So you went 16 for 16 in stolen bases. So, I mean, who do you credit most for your development as a base runner? And then how special was that 16 for 16 for you?
0: Uh, Joe Jones was, uh, you know, he was kind of my mentor. I had him as a rookie, uh, in in rookie ball. And then, uh, you know, when I was coming up through the organization, he was, uh, you know, he was, he was a coordinator. Um, so he had a very, a, a lot of influence on me. And, you know, I take a lot of the things that he did, even to this day, in my teaching, you know, about teaching with confidence and letting the guys be successful, even in practice, um... So, you know, it took a lot of studying, you know, the pitchers and uh, knowing their tendencies and things like that. And, um, you know, as a pinch runner all the time, um, you know, I, I just knew my place and I knew what I was supposed to do. As a base dealer, I knew that everybody in the ballpark knew that I came in there to steal a base, and I think that was a satisfying part about it is that everybody in the ballpark knew I was going to steal a base and they, uh, and they never caught me for the whole year. So I know that Paul Molitor, he broke that record, uh, you know, a few years after I had set that American League record for stolen bases and not get caught in a single year. Um, But, you know, it it was uh, it was satisfying. I I knew what I could do. I knew what kind of ball player I was. And, um, you know, I just did the best job that I could.
1: Yeah, you guys as a team won 92 games that year in '89, but Oakland never lost. There was no wild card, so that kind of stunk. And then the next year, 1990, you split between Omaha and KC. Memorable year in Omaha because you just about damn near won the batting title. You hit 331. You won MVP of the uh, American Association Championship Series. You went 15 for 27, which is 533. So you know, take us back to the whole thought process of being in a batting title race and uh, and winning that title in Omaha that year.
0: Um, Well, you know, I'll tell you what, I was, you know, I I had gotten sit down um, and they told me that they wanted me to go switch it. Uh, They said that, you know, I was having trouble with the slider from right-hander and they wanted me to go switch it. Well, I had tried to switch it uh, in 1984 and in 1985 in instructional baseball. Uh, but you know, in nineteen eighty, in nineteen well, in nineteen eighty five and nineteen eighty six. So in nineteen eighty five, I went to instructional ball. Well, actually, nineteen eighty four, and then the next year I was in Florida State. So I went to go uh, switch hit in eighty uh, four and, and ended up in you know what three oh seven or something like that. And uh, during the season, and, uh, in in nineteen eighty five. So you know they didn't want me to they didn't want me to switch hit during the season, and I. I thought I did a pretty decent job, and I liked switch hitting um, during instructional ball. So the next year, they wanted me to switch hit in instructional ball again. And I thought I did pretty well, but they said, hey, we just want you to hit right, handed during the season. And I ended up hitting 312 in double A, so they scratched that. Um, so when they told me that they were going to send me down to triple A to, uh, to switch hit, I told them, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. If I struggle from the right side of the plate, then yes, I will I will switch hit. Um, But it might have been a blessing in the skies because every day I took batting practice left-handed. Every time I hit off the tee, I hit off the tee left and right-handed. But it made me feel so much better on my right side. But I had a lot of confidence. It seemed like, you know, my swing was was shorter, you know, to the ball. And, uh, you know, I started off real hot. And, uh, you know, I just continued to hit throughout the season. But I remember Mark, Mark Ryle, he had gone to the big leagues with Pittsburgh during that season. And I continued to hit. Well, the last few days, the last week or so, um, I was ahead of him by just, a, by just a few points. And he was about to drop out of the race because he didn't have enough back. And I don't know if they sent him back to, to challenge for the for the title or not. But uh, at the very last game of the season, I think I was hitting 331.025. And he was hitting three thirty one. Um, you know, something, but he was just right behind me. So we ended the season, and uh, in the other division, they had tied for first place. So they had to play an extra game, like a play-in game, for who's going to play the playoffs. And he went two for four in that game and beat me out for the batting title. So if it wasn't for that extra game, I'd have a batting title to my name as well.
1: <laughs> Man, so close uh 91 then uh the next year is a great year for you. You spent your first full season in the big leagues and a couple uh, moments in particular I wanted to ask you about. First of all, your only two big league home runs came that year. Uh let's start with the one. So the over the fence one against what? Dennis Boucher in Toronto. Do you remember that one pretty well?
0: Oh yeah, I remember that one. That was uh, you know, we had just come from uh playing a uh, exhibition game in Omaha. And um um I remember I, and I'm not, I know his first name was Ken, but I forget his last name. Uh, he was one of my he was one of my buddies actually, um, in Omaha uh, the year before, and uh, I remember he threw me a knuckleball, and I hit it out of the ballpark. Well, that was the first time, you know, anybody on the major league side had ever seen me hit a home run. And uh, then we go to Toronto after that, and Dennis Boucher he threw me a fastball kind of high up in the zone and inside, and I hit it into the second deck. <laughs> So I got the silent treatment on the home run in, uh, in Omaha when we played the exhibition game, but I got some high fives on uh, on my first actual major league home run, and that was pretty exciting. I didn't get the ball back, though.
1: Oh, okay. Well, yeah, second deck, you've got to get high five for second deck, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't think I had that kind of power. That's, that's legit. The second one was off of uh, Steve Chitren of Oakland and Kansas City inside the park. You remember that one, too?
0: Yeah, Jose Confecho was playing uh, right field. I hit a, a hard line drive to right field, kind of a sinking line drive over there. Um, he went to catch it, and he missed it, and uh, that was all she wrote. Because when it got to right field, hit that right field wall, and just started going around the stadium. Um, in Kansas City, anything that goes down the line, it kind of hugs the wall. So, um, yeah, once he missed it, I knew it was an automatic triple. Um, I didn't know it was going to be inside the home, uh, inside the park home run, but Adrian Garrett, uh, our third base coach at the time, he sent me, and I made it pretty easy.
1: Good old. So son. those are
0: my only two. I got an outside the ball, uh, outside the park home run, and an inside the park home
1: run, and probably some near misses, right? Well, a lot of you know warning track and just barely foul ones. I'm assuming along the way too.
0: Uh, yeah, well, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't a big guy. Uh, that's about all I had was warning track hard. That's why I had to hit the ball on the ground and run like hell.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and it worked. Well, uh, the, the tough thing about that 91 season, then John Watson uh, is fired, replaced by Hal McRae. Uh, what do you remember about that transition, and, and how would you like playing for both of those guys, Duke and Mac?
0: um Well, I'm going to keep this one short. I loved playing for John uh, Watson You know, I had a great time. He taught me a lot. Um, for how McCray taught me a lot of things that I did not want to do um, when I uh, when I was teaching so I'll, I'll leave it at that
1: fair enough fair enough 1992 entire season big leagues again uh, that final year in Kansas City what sticks out about that
0: um well you know it was a, it was a good it was a good year for me um you know I was I was kind of disappointed that I didn't get to play a little bit more than I did. Um, but, you know, I, I, can't complain with Kansas City. They gave me opportunities, uh, in the big leagues. You know, I, I, might not have taken advantage of them the way that I, that I wanted to, but, um, you know, it was a very, very good experience.
1: How about, uh, George Brett? What was it like playing with a guy like that?
0: Uh, well, I saw uh, you know, I was there when he got his 3,000 pitch. Um, I was, uh, you know, I was there to see him win his third batting title, um, being one of the only players to win a batting title in three different decades at the time. Um, so there was a lot of memorable moments uh, during, that, during that season. Uh, there was a lot of highlights during that season. And, um, you know, I, I really had a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, well, you came back in 93 with the Royals but were waived March 26, one of the last cuts. Was that Did you kind of expect that? And you know, How difficult was that day, or was it just time to move on at that point?
0: Um, well, you know, it, it, was kind of, it was kind of time to move on. Um, you know, it was very difficult uh, because I had only played with them and it was 10 years with that organization. You know, I knew, I knew everybody in the organization. Um, I kind of knew, I kind of felt it coming. Uh, I played a lot of games against Detroit, and that was about the only team I played against. So I, I, I kind of knew something was up. Um, and I knew I was getting kind of showcased, showcased for that team right there. So when they wanted to wave me and, and send me down uh, to AAA, um, I thought I had, you know, enough experience and, uh, and a good name in the game that I might be picked up from someone else. So I declined the, the, the wave and, and went on the wire and uh, got picked up, um, you know, got picked up by Detroit. Um, you know, it was, it, was, uh, it was good to play for Sparky Anderson. I, I learned a lot from him. Uh, Lou Whitaker, Alan Trammell, Cecil Fielder, um, you know, some of the guys I played with. I learned a lot from them. I didn't have uh, a very good season. Um, you know, I was used um, as basically a, a fourth outfielder to go in late innings and to, uh, and to pinch run in the late innings. Um, but, you know, it got me another year in the big leagues, and, uh, and, and I learned a lot.
1: Yeah, 94 then, A for the White Sox in Nashville, then 95 you were with Seattle uh, for Tacoma and the big league. So, you know, what was it like playing uh, in Seattle with guys like, uh, you know, what, Griffey, Buhner, those kind of guys?
0: Yeah, you know, I went to Seattle, and I, and I, and I continued to have a good year. Um, I know I was getting a divorce that year, so I put a lot of concentration into everything that I did on the field um, to keep my mind off of the things that were going on at home. And, um you know, I kind of rebounded and uh, had a good year there. I know Ken Griffey went down uh, that year when he had, when he made that great catch, but he broke his wrist on the wall. Oh, yeah. They tried a, they, they tried a couple of guys up there in the big league. Uh, some of the guys were on the roster. You know, I, I understand that now, how it works. I've uh, been on the other side for so long uh, with the roster spots and the waivers and everything like that, not wanting to lose a player. Um, some of the younger kids that went up, they, they kind of struggled. I was kind of a veteran at that time. Um, you know, I think I was 30 at the time. So I was playing, um, you know, with, with some younger kids. And uh went there with Lou Piniella, um, who was the manager at that time, and uh, I, I played well. Um, they made the playoffs that time, but I wasn't on the playoff roster because King Griffey had come back uh, at, at that time. Um, but it was a good experience playing for a hothead uh, in, in uh, Lou Piniella. Um, you know, you always had to be, you know, ready to go because you never knew when, when you were going to get used. And, um, you know, playing with guys like Edgar Martinez and Rich Amaral and, and Ken Griffey Jr., um, it was a good experience.
1: Yeah, then the Mets in 96 and 97 between Norfolk and New York. How about your favorite memories as, as a Met?
0: Uh, well, you know, I, I tell you what, playing for Bobby Valentine, it was a treat. I played for him in, uh, in AAA and in the big leagues. Um, you know, he had a little different style. You know, I can remember guys like uh, uh, Benny Agbagnani out there, Lance Johnson, Bernard Gilkey, um, some of the guys that I had come up with. Um, you know, they gave me a great opportunity uh, to get back to the big leagues. Um, you know, I, I had gotten five-plus years in at, at that point. Um, so, you know, I got released from them, and I believe I went to Ottawa for a little while um at the very end of that season and uh that was my last big league experience
1: yeah i mean you came back one more year for triple a vancouver for the angels newark real briefly in the Indy leagues in 98 was it pretty easy for you to just walk away as a player then at the end of 98
0: um no you know what it wasn't easy it um uh, you know that was a, that was the first time that i had gotten released from a team um in the minor leagues and uh you know, I, I still had, uh, you know, I, I still had, you know, the love of the game in me, and I didn't want to walk away from it. And I went to Norfolk just to make sure I could stay in shape and just in case, of a, you know, another team had a need for an outfielder. You know, that didn't happen. And um, I remember going into, uh, into the office of the manager and, uh, you know, told him, you know what, it, this it's, it's just not for me. Uh, being, in, being in in that league, and, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I remember just bawling my eyes out when I had to leave the game. And, uh, you know, it kind of hurt, but, uh, you know, I knew it was time I was 33 years old at the time. Um, you know, my body just wasn't the same. I knew I had lost step in the outfield. Uh, I, I can remember a couple of balls that uh, that I did get to um, in the outfield, and um, I was like, you know, it's it's time for me to go. It, it's you know, I'm I'm hurting the team more than I help more than I'm helping the team. And uh, you know, like I said, I had lo- I had lost the step, and I wasn't getting to things that I, that I used to get to. So you know, at that age, you know, I, I you know, it was just time to walk away. It was hard to swallow, um, but you know, uh, being realistic, um, you know, with some of the younger guys and, and the younger talent in the game. I just didn't feel like, uh, you know, that I'd get back to the big leagues. And, uh, you know, I hung up the cleats.
1: You did. But now you've had quite the resume as a professional manager, coach, organizational coordinator. So AZL Mariners, 99. Uh, the Timber Rattlers, you managed them from 2000 to 2002 there in Wisconsin. Then you did the Inland Empires in '06. Then in '07, you were uh, minor league outfield coordinator with the Mariners, a major league first base coach as well. Uh, minor league outfield and base running coordinator for the Mariners from 08 to 11, then 2012 first base coach of the Mariner or Marlin, Sorry. So, I mean, lots of teams here. Do you I mean, do you have like an ultimate dream job in pro baseball someday?
0: Um, you know, I, I just love to teach, you know, I mean, I, I think I could make a difference, uh, with the knowledge that I have of the game. Um, not only the skill wise, but, um, you know, the things that I had, that I had gone through, um, you know, I tell my outfielder that, you know, you're not a center fielder, left fielder, or a right fielder. You're an outfielder, and uh, you need to be comfortable in all, outfield, all the outfield spots. Because so I told about my very first experience uh, never taking a ball in any place else other than center field and then being very embarrassed my very first game in the major leagues when I'd never, ever played the positions before um, to be ready, uh, to be able to play all the outfield positions. You know, you never want to go to a manager and say, hey, uh, what position do you play? And you play, you know, I'll play left field. Well, you know what? I need a right fielder, so uh, I'll see you later. Um, you know, you never want to be in that position. Um, but, no, there's nothing that i you know, I don't want to be a major league manager. Um, I love being at first base because I was a base dealer and I can pick, you know, I can pick pitchers apart. Um, pretty dang on good. Um, so I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with that. Um Third base coach, maybe a bench coach uh, with the experience that, but I, but major league manager—that's uh, not something I want to
1: do. All right, fair enough. Well, I guess uh, my last five questions for you, circling back to finish up here uh, with KC. So when you when you think back to playing for the Royals, then you know what are your favorite overall memories of playing in a Kansas City uniform?
0: Um. Well, Brett Sa- Brett Saver-Higg is no hitter. I was there for that. Um you know, I saw Bo Jackson do some tremendous things. Um, the experience that I had with Willie Wilson and we're still good friends to this day. You know, he goes golfing. Um, uh, we go golfing every time he comes to uh, to, to Kansas City. My wife and I let and uh, and his girlfriend, we go out to dinner, you know, anytime he comes out to Kansas City. Um, I was I mean anytime he comes out to Arizona. Um, you know, in that bag when he needed it. Um, you know, having an American League record for for a little while, um, being there for George Brecht's 3,000th hit, um, being there when he uh, won his batting title, when uh, he wasn't for if he was going to play at the you know, at the half, because uh, he was hitting like 240 or 250, and he ended up hitting almost 400 at the second half of the season. That was a delight to watch. Um Watching Bo Jackson throw out Harold Reynolds in, in Seattle when the ball hit the uh, on the warning track, and he got it about the warning track with two outs and threw a strike to Bob Boone when the umpires were damn near walking off the field. <laughs> Seeing some things like that, uh, those are some great memories for me, and, uh, and I'll hold on to those
1: forever. Yeah, you mentioned Willie Wilson. Any of your other uh, former Royals teammates you stay in touch with?
0: Um, you know, I, I see Kurt Stillwell every once in a while. Um, I know Frank Frank White is, uh, um, you know, he's in the government. Um, uh, I don't know uh, what capacity uh, he might be mayor for some town or something like that. But, but you no, know, I really don't keep up with anybody else uh, except for Willie Wilson. We had a we had a really good uh, relationship, um, even though he was an outfielder and I was an outfielder. Um, you know, I remember coming up. Him and Frank White and Danny Tartable. They really took care of me when I was there. I stayed at Willie Wilson's house when I went up and down from the big league. And, you know, I used his car. Um, you know, they just really took care of me. But but I stay in touch with Willie Wilson. But, you know, every once in a while I'll see some of the other guys and, uh, and you know, we'll talk about it all the time. But on a, um, not on a daily basis, but me and Willie, we probably, we, we probably talk at least once a month.
1: Kurt Stowell's with uh, Scott Boris now, right?
0: Yes, and I see him. I see him uh, at least once a year when he comes to scout some of the players, or when he comes to visit some of the players that uh, that uh, that represents that he represents uh, with Boris. So uh, you know, I, I get to I get to keep up with him um, at least on a yearly basis.
1: That's good. Now, w- what area of KC did you live in, and did you have any favorite hotspots, any favorite barbecue places, anywhere you like to hang out when you were in town?
0: Um, you know, Gates Barbecue. We used to hang out. well, I didn't. Hang out there, but I used to eat there a lot. Uh, Chartreuse Caboose. Yeah. They had the best Philly steak sandwiches that I ever had <laughs> to this day. And if I ever went back there, I know they're closed on Sundays, but I really remember that. Um, well, so I lived in Overland Park, Kansas, uh, when I lived there. And I lived there for oh, about, well, oh, I'd say well after my career ended, also, probably about well, 12, 13 years or something like that. And um, yeah, but I tell you what, Gates Barbecue. And every t- any time that uh, that I have my my uh, my son or daughter, they go to Kansas City, uh, they bring me some of the sauce back. But I haven't gotten there to get one of those uh, um, Philly cheesesteak sandwiches from Chatur's Caboose in a long time. And I remember they were very tasty. <laughs>
1: That's classic. Well, last two questions for you. I got to tell you, when I was a, when I was growing up, uh, I remember reading like the the Royals yearbooks, and they always had the autographs in there. And I thought you had the coolest autograph, the way you you know did the Gary with the letters above. So to this day, I still sign my name kind of like you, like I w- pretended I was going to be like a pro baseball player, so I had to practice my autograph. Where? Did, how did you come up with that cool signature? I'd love to hear that story. Is there a story behind that, or just randomly?
0: No, you know what? I tell you what, I just I. I I never practiced it. It's just something, that, you know. It was totally different from my signature when I was in high school and stuff like that. But I just, I, I just wanted it to be different. I, I know it looks like a left hander when the left hander writes. Right. You know, it doesn't look like that. It doesn't look. It doesn't have the slant as a, a right hander. But I thought it was just cool with all the curly cues and stuff like that, you know. And I, I had some pretty good, good handwriting. Um, so no, it, it, you know, it just evolved into that, and um, and that's just been it the whole time.
1: Yeah, I, since I was like twelve, I still have the same signature. People are like, "What the hell? How is that, David? Doesn't even look like David."
0: <laughs> so yeah, I, well, I can, you know, you got you got to really take a look at it to, to see it's Gary. But I think it's legible. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, so I owe you for that one. Uh, well, <laughs> l- I guess last thing in summary, uh, you know, what would you like to say to the Royals fans listening right now?
0: Uh, well, you know, I tell you what, when, when I was when when I was a Royal. um, you know, we, we had a, a great fan base. I know that uh, you know when I came up a couple years after the '85 World Series, we had a great fan base. They were a great fans. They treated me well. Um, They're always positive, and um, you know uh, they just made they just made my. I you know I can remember um, um, one of the times that um, that I was in out in the outfield, and I forget who we were playing, but I remember there was a man on third base. And there was a high fly ball hit to me, and uh, and I threw a strike to home plate, and he didn't score. And I remember one pitch or two pitches after that, they hit another ball to me in left field, and it was 1987. And uh, and I threw another strike to the plate, and they didn't he he didn't score. And I remember after the, after the inning, I went into the dugout, and I got called out. By a standing ovation. And I get chill bumps to this day just thinking about that because they really knew the game. And it wasn't something I had done offensively, but it was something I had done defensively um, that they were really impressed about. And uh, I can remember that to this day. And, uh, you know, it really made me take a lot of pride on that side of the baseball when it's not acknowledged a whole lot. Uh, because, you know, offense is the the name of the game now. But they knew enough about the game that they knew that I had cut down a run or a potential run, and, um, you know, they didn't even send the guy to the plate. So, you know, kudos to them for knowing the game on both sides of the ball, and uh, it was a great experience playing in front of them.
1: Yeah, well, you know, we were, you know, me personally, I grew up in, in Nebraska, seeing and Omaha and KC, and, and, you know, you're one of my favorite players of all time. So it's been a pleasure talking to you, and I appreciate all that you gave to the uh, to the Royals organization. It's great to see you, you know, still in baseball. I'm wishing the Nationals a lot of luck. Should be an exciting year for both the Nationals and the Royals. And, and hopefully we will, maybe we'll see you back here in the World Series, and we'll, we'll crash a uh, chart who's caboose, right?
0: Absolutely, <laughs> best Phillies in the world. From what I've had, and I've been to Philadelphia as well. They're better
1: than that. <laughs> you need to get an endorsement with them. That's great. Well, <laughs> well, uh, you know. Th- thanks for all your time and uh, and for the autograph. You know, the suggestion. You know, all these years later, without knowing it, and uh, try to stay in touch, man. God bless. Take care, and uh, we'll hopefully talk to you down the road. Thanks much, Dave. I appreciate. it. Okay. Have a great night. All right.
0: You too.